to Matthew 6. We're going to read just a few scriptures, and we've read a few of these before. A few weeks back, we read two of these scriptures, but I'm going to repeat them because I feel this is what the Lord would be leading us to this morning. And I'll save everything else I was going to say for another time. And we'll take the offering and all that stuff a little bit later. Matthew 6, 5 through 8 says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which sees you in secret, sees in secret, shall reward you openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they'll sh they should be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye like them. Be not ye therefore like them. For your Father knows what things you have need of before you ask. Jesus had just told his disciples to set themselves apart don't be like the hypocrites are. Don't give alms so people can see you putting something in the plate. Don't stand and pray and give big long strings of vain repetitions. No. But go to your secret place. The Lord was telling us this morning, come in a little further, just a little bit more. I'm here, I'm going to meet you when you get there. Thank God that we know we can pray anytime, any place. Mothers can pray while they're washing the dishes, feeding the baby, doing all that at one time. They can pray whatever they're doing. Dads can pray when they're swinging a hammer or when they're working on a computer, talking to a bunch of angry people. We can still have an attitude of prayer. They think they'll be heard for their repetitions. But Jesus said their self-glory is the only reward that they will get. How many know that's not worth the effort even? But when thou prayest, this is the point this morning. Most of the verses that we read start with those words in one form or another. But when you pray, but when ye pray, when thou prayest, my beloved is what he is saying here. You, my beloved, when you come before me, I put a claim on you. I'm claiming you as my own. And it's to those who come in humility of spirit that is brought to him through the Holy Spirit that he lays his hand upon and he wants to become intimate with. How many know there's times and places that certain things should not be said in a public setting? 
only in private for certain ears to hear. And this is what Jesus was saying. Come to me into this quiet, secluded place where it's just you and me, and I will meet with you there. Close the door to shut out all distraction. Close the door so that you're not seen of any, anybody else, and you can open your heart to me and tell me whatever is there. The beautiful impact of this is that it narrows the proximity to him. It forces us into a, a cocoon with him and his spirit and his presence. I believe this is true because Jesus was indicating here that it's not what we say, but it's how we say it and to whom we speak it. The Father knows what you need before you even ask. You remember when your kids were young, those of you who had children, they might have sat on your lap for long periods of time when they were little, when they were babies. But as they grew, they climbed up on your lap for only a moment. It was just to get a hurt kissed away, or it was just to hear your reassuring voice, you're okay, I'm right here. Go ahead and play, you're doing great, I'm right here. It's the same with the Lord Jesus. When we enter that place of intimacy with him, when we seek to know his heart, and we dedicate our mind only to that at that moment, it's when we touch his heart. And it's in these intimate times that Jesus, just Jesus and me, when the words of Proverbs 6, 9, 16, 9 says, a man's heart devises his own way, but the Lord directs his steps. Amen and amen. It's when he leads us. It's when our trust and our faith in him grows to a point that we know we can let go of our own path, our own choices for our lives, and trust him. Isaiah 55, 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than yours. You might think, if he already knows what we need, then why should we pray? We'll read on Matthew 6 because Jesus gave us a very simple but complete model prayer to ask for the things we have need of and the cares that we face in this life. The old hymn says, I must tell Jesus all of my trials. He's a kind and compassionate friend and Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. In the 14 and 1500s, an English scholar named William Tyndale split from the Catholic Church for many good reasons, but firstly because they read the Bible and performed all masses in Latin only, which the common people couldn't read or understand. Tyndale went down in history as famous in the Catholic Church for the wrong reasons as a heretic because he translated the Latin Vulgate into 
that the Latin Catholic Bible was based upon into English and put it in the hands of every common man who wanted a copy. And as such, he was excommunicated from the Catholic Church for putting a Bible in the hands of people so they could read it and understand what it said. But many people had already bought their copy of the Bible. And it said that this was one of the major things that transformed and revolutionized the Protestant Revolution, a Reformation, excuse me, Protestant Reformation. Eventually, William Tyndale was convicted and murdered by the state of England. So he was considered a heretic by the Catholics, but a martyr and a reformer to be talked about through history by the Protestants. Just a few years after his death, King Henry VIII established Tyndale's Bible as the official Bible of the Church of England. And later, King James, when he commissioned 54 scholars to write the King James Bible, it almost exclusively used Tyndale's original writings. I said all this in order to quote a scripture from the modern version of Tyndale's Bible. It's called the Modern Spelling Tyndale Coverdale Bible, which is thought by many scholars and Christians to be the very best actual translation of the Bible that's available to us today because it corrects many words for clarification. The passage I want to refer to from that Bible is in, an, in Ezekiel 2, 2. Quoting from this version of the Bible, it says, of Ezekiel's vision of God and seeing him on his throne and falling before him prostrate on the floor, Ezekiel says these words, And then said he unto me, Stand up upon thy feet, O thou son of man, so that I can talk with thee. And verse 2, And as he was communicating with me, the Spirit came into me, and he stood me up upon my feet, so that I marked the thing, or that I understood and comprehended what the Lord was saying unto me. The words, I will talk with thee, and as he was communicating with me, read very differently in the King James Version. But as he told us, when we come in a little bit further, and we bow before him, bow our hearts, sometimes our knees don't bow so well, but our hearts bow before him. He will talk with us. Ezekiel couldn't even stand up for the weight of the glory that was upon him, but the Holy Spirit picked him up and stood him up and gave him clarity of mind so that he could understand the vision that he was seeing. It's not out of duty that we spend time with the Lord and that we come into that secret place. No, it's out of our desire to commune with him and him to commune with us in a way that we can understand. 
In Exodus 26, 22, God told Moses these words. He said, meet me in the tabernacle and there I will meet with you and I will commune you with you from above the mercy seat in that holy place between the two cherubims which are mounted upon the ark of the testimony. And of all these things which I give thee in commandment, I will tell you there. Last week we heard the word of the Lord that said that he holds miracles in his hands. Don't you know that God is calling us to that secret place so that we can hear those miracles laid out before us in this intimate time with him? In closing, about a week ago, my sister Jan sent me a text and it was kind of unusual for her. Out of the blue, she asked me, do you like the song, He Knows Just What I Need? And I kind of laughed it off because it really wasn't my thing, but it was Jim's thing big time because you know who sang it? Elvis. <laughs> so I responded to Jan and I said, yeah, it's okay. Elvis sang it, Jim loved it, and there you go with that. And he said, Jan said, well, I don't know who sang it, and I'm pretty sure Elvis did a good job with it, but I really love that song. And I just let it go. I didn't think anything else about it. Till Thursday morning as I was preparing this message, and I kid you not, like a television screen with a ticker running across it like this, Jesus knows just what I need. And I had to go back to that text and reread it and see the importance and the impact of that to my heart at that moment. The song was written by Mosey Lister. I'm sure some of you older folks have heard of him. He also wrote, Where No One Stands Alone Till the Storm Passes By, Then I Met the Master, how long has it been? And all these award-winning songs were sang by many, many gospel quartets, including the Statesmen, the Cathedrals, the Blackwoods, and they were also sang by many solo artists, including George Beverly Shea and Porter Wagoner and Bill Gaither and Merle Haggard, and yes, Elvis Presley, who recorded three of Mosey Lister's songs on his five top-selling gospel albums. Mosey Lister passed away in 2015 at the age of 93, leaving, leaving an enormous catalog of songs that he had written and that many, many have sang since to his credit, including He Knows Just What I Need. I was going to try and sing it this morning, but I'm too choked up. I don't really think I can. I'm going to read you some of the words. My Jesus knows when I am lonely. He knows each pain and he sees each tear. He understands each lonely heartache. He understands, and he always cares. 
My Jesus knows when I am burdened. He knows how much my heart can bear. He lifts me up when I am sinking, and he brings me joy beyond compare. When other friends seem to forget me, when skies are dark or hope seems gone, by faith I feel his arms around me, and I hear him say, you're not alone. My Jesus knows just what I need. Oh, yes, he knows just what I need. He satisfies and every need supplies. Oh, yes, he knows just what I need. Isn't that beautiful? I'm thankful that the Lord met us here this morning in the way that he did. And I'm thankful that he confirmed this message through his spoken word to come just a little bit closer because it's where he wants to commune with our hearts. It's where he wants to stand us up on our feet so we can hear clearly and grasp what the Holy Spirit is telling us. He directs our steps. He will lead us the way we should go if we just come and spend some time with him in that secret place. Don, would you come please? Such a sweet spirit in this place today, it's hard to, to bring to closure. But we will go ahead and pray, Lord God, your blessings over each and every one here today. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for this awesome opportunity to come together and God, to be moved and blessed by you. Your presence is always refreshing. It is always encouraging and uplifting. And we thank you for those blessings today. We pray that that presence follow each and every one of us, Lord God. It's not just here, but that we can cultivate, Lord God, this intimacy day in and day out. That we can go into that quiet place, shut the door, and find you there each and every time, Lord Jesus. As we desire more and more to commune this friend with you. Pray that you go with each one, protect and keep each one, Lord God. Until we come again, in your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen.